Hello, and you're very welcome to The Week That Really Was with John McGurk and Sarah Ryan. It is the 11th of May, 2023, and it has been a week that has been chock full of nonsense. I say that because I was surprised to learn this morning, when I opened the pages of my Irish Times, that Sarah Ryan, who I have known for many years, listeners, and who is a, a dear friend of mine, uh, I was surprised, Sarah, to learn that you're a racist. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, I, 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 I'm not spilling any of your beauty secrets when I say, because I've been in your company. And like a lot of Irish women, I think from time to time you've worn fake tan. You bigot. From time to time I have. And I'm culture culturally appropriating people and hurting people's feelings and all of that type of nonsense that we have to deal with. And it was, it was a new low, John. I think well, they're just trolling us now. Well, I think for, it's, a, it's, it's a joke. For those who don't know what we're talking about, because there will be some, there'll be some very sensible people out there who don't read the Irish Times and do listen to this podcast who won't know that the number two story on the Irish Times website today is an opinion article by a lady called Adriana Acosta-Cortez. Uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. I think I have. Uh, which says, Irish, Irish women's obsession with fake tan is problematic. When a white Irish woman dons fake tan for a night out, she says, She's wearing a costume that allows her to experience a fleeting taste of a more exotic identity with none of the obstacles people of colour face. The article goes on to say that this raises questions of cultural appropriation and fetishization of high melanin content found in more pigmented people and that those who are wearing it are not making just an innocuous uh, cosmetic choice. He says that when you're wearing fake tan, you're not acknowledging the struggles faced by those who naturally possess it, it in this case being a tan. Now, how do you answer those charges, Sarah? I mean, it seems to me you're guilty as feck. Like, you, 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 I've never heard you once uh, say when wearing fake tan, I've never heard you once say to me that you wish to acknowledge the struggles faced by those who are naturally tanned. Never once. Oh, God, this is so dumb. I'm bring on the dumb. Now, first of all, I actually find, think I'm going to I'm going to do the old reverse the on this and say that this is actually kind of discriminatory or racist against Irish people because not all of us are ginger, white skinned, burny people. Loads of Irish people tan naturally, so if they tan naturally on the you know two weeks where we all go mental when it goes sunny and wear no sun cream, are they if they're melanin advantaged in that way? Are they not really Irish? What a load like. I mean, I saw somebody tweet earlier on, John, and I'm inclined to agree. This country is in bad need of a good old recession because people need something to be worrying about. Because if you literally invent the story in your mind that fake tan is racist when you live in Ireland, you have no problems whatsoever and are coming up with things to be upset about. And someone in the Irish Times editorial are signing off on this is having a laugh and taking the piss out of you because you're you're purposely or not you're, you're trolling us because Ireland is like the biggest consumer of fake tan I'm pretty sure per capita in the world mm-hmm. um I think like we sell we buy like 60 percent of fake tan the certainly the pennies fake tan anyway um we in in my casual observation, we're getting better and better at it, um, because um, we used to be fairly tangoed a number of years ago. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like at the end of the day, like who cares? Because and I just find and I, I hate 
to say this because I've said before on this podcast that I um I'm very close to my mother, but we have a number of different opinions on different things. And my mum is a, you know, hardcore feminist pro-choice type of person and I'm not. Um, but I, I, I've really noticed that all of these kind of things that we're now expected to drop and shed and, and accept and let go of, they always seem to be like anti-women. So like, I don't know that many men who wear fake tan. I'm sure there are some, but there's not a lot of them. And it's just like constantly, you know, if it, like only a matter of a year or two ago, it was trust women, listen to women, accept what women want to wear, want to be, want to say, whatever. And now it's just like, you know, shut up, don't wear your tan, accept girl dick in your changing rooms and just take it like and, and don't complain about it. Like, except that your sports are now that the our women's cycling is being won by a, a, a by the first place is an hour ahead of the second place, and just accept all of this and shut up, and drop your fake tan and don't say this and don't complain and just shut up. And I'm starting to think that I might just become more of an ardent feminist myself because I'm just getting a bit tired of being told all the time what I should and shouldn't be comfortable with, and now what I should and shouldn't be wearing. If I want to wear fake tan. Well, frankly, piss off. I agree. And I, I also want to say like this, this. <laughs> you're this scared. Ar- you're scared not to. You're scared not to. I Well, no, but, but like, I, I, for me, look, here's the thing. This is lunacy, but it's a particular form of lunacy. It's high status lunacy. It's the kind of lunacy that marks you out in the eyes of some idiots as being sort of a smart, intelligent, progressive person. You know, it's not that far off. Saying fake tan is racist ain't that far off saying Charles III is a lizard dressed in a man suit. It's just that one lunatic opinion is sort of the low status opinion of conspiracy theorists and the other lunatic opinion is the kind of thing you can repeat over lunch to one of the ladies in the UCD Women's Studies Department. And these people are tyrants. As you said, a couple of years ago it was don't braid your hair. Uh, That is cultural appropriation. Don't wear the wrong costume to Halloween party. That is cultural appropriation, which is another fa- it's a fancy word for kind of racism, really, cultural appropriation. Yeah, now but you notice the way it's always women. This is the thing. Like, it's, it is. It, braid your hair. Like, and this is, the, this is the thing that's starting to really get on my nerves. It's like all of the things that we're supposed to be dropping seem to be women focused. And this woman writing this article thinks that she's a protected class because she is in her own words, Latin X. I don't even know what that means, but fine. Latin X. Walk into walk into uh, a Hispanic like, community in America somewhere and call them Latin X and they'll look at you like you they, I, you've two heads. She's it's, it's, she's it, Latin she's Latin. I, I don't understand what the X means, but whatever. Anyway, but but the point is that like I'm like I'm just getting a bit tired and I'm just it's, it's like a couple of weeks ago like if I have questions about what's being taught in my to my kids in school about gender ideology if that if asking questions about that makes me a transphobic well then I'm transphobic and if wearing fake tan makes me racist well then I'm racist like the calling us names all the time and trying to tell us what to do and what to be is just not only is it wearing thin but like fine those words are just not scary anymore and that's a really big problem because then real racists are actually got, just going to be hiding in plain sight. Do you know what I mean? If you call yeah. people racists for being for wearing fake tan, well, then you're diminishing the value of the word so much so that it's just the whole thing is becoming comedic and farcical. I want to come back to a point you made there a moment ago about how this disproportionately hits women because this is a uh, it's just a thought 
entirely out of left field, but it reminds me of a conversation I was having this week with somebody about, of all things, pornography. Now, I don't regularly have conversations about pornography, but it was in the context. <laughs> I don't. Don't compare no. But I was, I <laughs> I was, it was in the context of the U.S. states of Utah and Louisiana have put huge restrictions on Pornhub, and you know, the person was saying, this is brilliant news, you should ban it all, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the point they made to me, I thought was a really good one, which was that in the society that we had, the society that we came from, the conservative, repressive, restrictive society, um, the expectation in terms of male-female interaction was basically that men would put their cloth to measure women's desires. In other words, you know, you'd be well-behaved, you'd try and be monogamous, you'd be a gentleman and all the rest of it. Whereas we've transitioned into a society post-sexual revolution where women are expected to to conform to male desire all the time. So so now uh, there was this is in the context of an article in the Times this week where a woman had written about how she'd watched some of the stuff on one of these websites and it was all choking and spitting and, and all sorts of oh yeah really unpleasant stuff that that most women I think wouldn't be naturally fans of. But it's all anti-women, and I think bringing all of that together from what you're talking about about how women are constantly being lectured. To the sort of sexual sexual marketplace that we now exist in, where kind of like there there are expectations there from young women which weren't there in the past. To uh, everything else we talk about in this podcast, is it any wonder that you've got an epidemic of young girls in America and increasingly here saying, "Well, I don't want to be a woman anymore. I want to be yeah. something else." Yeah. I mean, it's it's all tied together. This cultural um, shift. Which I think not. I, I'm not a woman. I'm glad I'm not a woman. Not because of anything against women, but because I don't know how women put up with it. Um, the expectations that are put on them, and you add and into that. Weird. You add into that, by the way, the expectations that you don't have a, a, a family until you're 40. Companies get you to freeze your eggs. Um, you're expected to be a career woman. You're expected to be a mother. You're expected to have it all. Whereas, like, if you're a bloke these days uh, in this feminine-led society that you apparently have, you get to sit on the couch, watch football, and you know. Maybe you're expected to watch the dishes yeah. once in the blue uh, it, it's, it's and when you do, and when you do, everyone will talk about how wonderful and progressive you are. And rightly so. I washed the dishes this week, and I I I, <laughs> I, I was waiting for praise that didn't come. First. But anyway, Good. Um, <laughs> my wife is going to totally text you in the next few days, going, "He did not wash the second dishes." Plus, um, the, the, the point I'm making, jokes aside, is uh, I think an important one, which is that our society, like this progressive society that's mostly feminist-led is so relentlessly anti-woman in, in, in yeah. just so many ways. Um, that's, my, that's my point, is that I, I thought that, I always thought that my mum was kind of like, you know, not stuck in the dark ages, but I thought like, oh, you're talking about something that's no longer relevant to me, that I'm now... You know, I don't feel like I was treated differently than my brother. I don't think any opportunities were afforded to my brother that weren't afforded to me and blah, 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 blah. And I thought that the kind of the women's thing was not over, but like that key, massive inroads have been made and it wasn't really something that, you know, was really affecting me in any way. And now I think that like now that I have two sons and a daughter, I'm starting to think, well, maybe now there is like a need to start speaking up because it, everywhere I look, it's that women are, you know, we 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 made inroads on like trust women and believe women and whatever. And now it's 
well, I don't care about your your discomfort in changing rooms or your discomfort here or whether someone, uh, someone, a biological man's feelings is more important than your level of discomfort. And I don't care if you've trained in swimming or in, in, in cycling or whatever it is for 10 years now, it's more important that a biological male is, is afforded, is made feel comfortable in this sport. And I don't care if you feel like you want to dress a certain way or wake, wear a fake tan. Somebody uh, from uh, who has darker, naturally darker skin than you is offended and their feelings are more important than the way you feel about it, and so on and so on and so on and it's just getting a bit hold on a second here like I don't see these kind of like I don't see all of our you know liberal progressive uh, it, uh, strides that we're making having such impact on the day-to-day lives in a negative way of men yeah yep it's very good anyway somebody else who had a, a, a rough week by the way actually no, before we move on did you see speaking of all you just said that the Dublin Marathon is going to have a non-binary category in it this year um this is so a, how does that how does that actually work then will any will any biological females enter then i have or no they, will uh, they just run uh, but they won't win <laughs> yes well, we know so so will it just become a, a second category for blokes in dresses possibly yeah. possibly i mean it's it's it, it's bizarre. I mean, obviously there are different categories in all kinds of sports. The disabled category, there's maybe an older category, there are youth categories, but they're all based on ability. This is the only category in our, an Irish sporting event that I'm aware of, which is based on feeling, which is that oh, I don't feel like a man or a woman, therefore I'm non-binary, therefore I get my own category in a race. Come off it. Come off it. Can I enter the over 65s because like, I'm not that fit and, and some website somewhere said I had the physical age of a 70-year-old. It didn't, but theoretically, yeah. Uh, think, is is that should. is that is that something that you can do? I mean, can you can well, I enter the seniors golfing thing in my local golf club? It's 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 just such. I, I I'm nearly very. But it's but it's better. But it's better than nothing, John. Because it's what it is is, it's an acknowledgement. If you think about it, like if you're playing, if you want to be positive about it, like was it last week or the week before that the that uh, cycling. Cycling tournament was won by a biological man an hour ahead. Of the ah, say, no, no, you're one misunderstanding hour. it. This isn't for this isn't for women, and I mean under Irish law, women are women, right? So, so a trans woman is is a woman. So if you're a trans, if you're a man who's officially a trans woman, you're in the woman's category. So don't misunderstand this. This is a non-binary category for people who like don't know what gender they are and may sit on the fence. Uh, Might be something uh, one day, another the other day. So no, this is this ain't oh, a special. I totally misunderstood. Oh my this god, special... there's still there's still a there's still a little shred of hope inside of me that thought that that was something. Oh god, no. that's so depressing. I thought, oh, oh no. no. Do you realize, do you understand what I thought it was? I know, and it isn't that at all. I thought you thought I think you thought all. it was a, a special category for I, people who are transgender who who have their I own. Did. Yeah. I did. Oh God, no, love me. I did. It ain't that. No, that would no, be discrimination. not that at all. That'd be discrimination. That'd be saying that they're a separate category of women different to you. Which I just thought Irish I was like, they are not. I, that's so, how cute for me. That's <laughs> just there for a minute. There was still another oh, part of me. We thought we were still oh, back in the same old oh, days of 2017-ish. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what a positive move. No, it's no, no, oh. no. So, I mean, there you go. Well, so, 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 yeah, non-binary. Which um, brings but us. But then, who'd be in? The, but then, surely there will only be like. There's not that many people who I. What's the amount of people who identify as non-binary who are also interested in in 
in running in a marathon. Surely it's very small. Uh, you would no? think that. You would think that. But I mean, you know, is this really about recognizing non-binary people in a marathon or is it about the marathon putting out a statement that gets people on Twitter to go, oh, amazing progressive move? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, I am sure that it is that. Um, well, we will we will keep um we'll keep an eye on it and see who wins. Um I suspect <laughs> the person who does win will be the owner of meat and two veg rather than any other biological configuration. Um you know, but there'll be a special kind of class of non binary male runner uh, who gets their own their own category. But that's the country we live in. And speaking of the country we live in, um actually I was gonna talk about Senator um Senator Eileen Finn's taxi uh, incident, but we move on for a moment because it's on the same topic of the non-binary thing to Michael McDowell's objection to the hate speech bill this week, because that was really interesting. Did you read his letter? I did. I love when really smart people get involved in politics. Yeah. So rare. I mean... No, I, I read his letter and it's, it's, it's great because he's so clever and he's just like he's just going at it at, with this kind of like razor sharp focus on the really important you know, the importance of specifics in law and being precise about language and the reality of it is that it underneath that level of scrutiny the bill just doesn't hold up on a number of fronts specifically on the definition of gender but you're oh. you're more up to date than me in the in the response yeah. and just so the listeners know what we're talking about because i think that's that, that's important because there will be people who, who who haven't read his letter the basic point that Senator McDowell is making is that the bill protects gender identity as a, as a so-called protected characteristic in inverted commas, which is to say that if somebody insults your gender identity um, in a hateful way, they can be prosecuted. It's hate speech. But the but problem is that Michael, sorry, Michael McDowell is making the point that in Irish law, there are only two gender identities, male and female. Uh, and that is true even for people who are transgender or get a gender recognition cert. If you are a man who gets a gender recognition cert, you become legally female and vice versa. So there are actually only two recognized gender identities. So the hate speech bill, says Michael McDowell, is protecting a characteristic that the Irish government doesn't recognize anywhere else in law. So how can it be criminal to, to say that other gender, to, to criticize or critique something that doesn't officially exist. That is the, the position. Now, do you know what Simon Harris's answer was? No, tell me. His answer was that they were future-proofing the bill. So basically <laughs> what he was saying was that there may in time be other gender, gender identities other than male or female recognized in Irish law. And when that time came, they wouldn't have to go back and amend the hate speech bill because it would already have protected that characteristic. So, there, so, so I mean, you know, if you take Simon Harris literally, uh, at some point we are going to be inventing new genders and putting them into Irish law. All oh, right. Well, that, like that's just a nice way of saying we're making this up as we go along, isn't it, John? It's a nice way of saying the lunatics are running fucking silent. Sorry, pardon my language, <laughs> but like <laughs> that, that's what's happening. I, I mean, it's it, it's it's. It's bizarre to live in a country where there is a significant cohort of people um, who are, and I don't not want to say in power, because I don't think they're in power, but they're like reporting on the news or involved in the process who are absolutely wackadoo. Um, 
and so we're, we're we're in this position where we're we haven't actually yet invented new genders, but criticizing new, those new genders is a crime. Like that that's the that's the situation we're in, and and I think there's a preponderance of people in the country who either don't understand it, don't care about it, just tune it out, think it's mad, think it won't affect them. Um, I'm sure the, the price of the pumps is coming down, so move on. But I mean, if you if you really if you really did spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff, you, you would you would assume the country had been taken over by the inmates inmates of Bedlam, um, circa eighteen seventy three. But John, it doesn't matter to. It doesn't matter until it matters, if you know what I mean. Like, we've had conversations on this podcast before about, for example, you know, people getting, and most of the time, quite rightfully so, annoyed about, like, decisions, for example, that Martin Nolan has made, you know, vis-a-vis sentencing on certain things and whatever. And so when you start changing the law and, and, and introducing a bill like this, or law, the laws that will follow will will ultimately end up with, people being horrified by what they look like in practice. Mm-hmm. So for example, I saw a video this week um, of a Starbucks employee throwing a woman out of the Starbucks for misgendering. Did you see that? It was yes, Starbucks had to fire the employees, whatever. So let's take, pretend we take that scenario, for example, right? In theory, that woman who was you know, not maliciously doing anything, whatever, could be prosecuted under hate speech law for misgendering a person, okay? And if the person, if that person is a file is sent to the DPP, blah, 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 and that person finds themselves in in, in court being charged with that offence, that it won't be the feeling of the people, it, like, it'll be whether or not the case is made that they technically have broke, uh, have, have committed this act, do you understand? So, mm-hmm. like, th- th- that person... Then all of a sudden, everyone will go, oh, it's terrible, Joe. The Mary from down the street who doesn't understand any of this pronoun stuff, she, she's being arrested and now she's going to jail. and Oh, it's all terrible. And But it'll be too late. Like that, yeah. That'll be the law. Do you it know will... what I mean? And, and so so it doesn't matter. It's all fine and well and it, people don't, it doesn't affect them. But the, the thing is that like the reason why people are so against this who understand law or who are watching it from outside of Ireland or whatever is because they see the path to where it gets to that. And then it's too late. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's really important that speech like not be criminalized like that. And I don't think, by the way, there's anything that can be done about this now. I think this is just happening. But, yeah, oh, it, it, you know, yeah. like like the reality, the rea- that this in practice will mean that ve- like victim complex people who are dying to be offended will be now armed with the full force of the law behind them for their various nonsense, hurt feeling. It, like we're not talking about proper abuse or anything like that we're talking about like i saw a thing a couple of years ago where a woman was on a tv show with um katie hopkins from the uk katie hopkins was talking about her being fat and this woman went out and rang the police because Mm -hmm. katie hopkins had called her fat and it's like that kind of mentality of i'm a victim you've hurt my feelings the law is behind me whatever it's 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 going to turn into complete farce but it'll be law so it'll be too late and you know and it's not just law. I don't know. It's not just law because I, I, as you're saying that, I was thinking the other thing about nonsense like the the non-binary marathon category is that it's legitimization. So, for example, if you're yeah. sitting at home and you're thinking, oh, I don't care if the lunatics have a ridiculous category in the marathon, in Dublin, I, I, I really don't care. It's bullshit. I'm tuning it out, which I don't blame you for doing. 
I, I do not blame. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for tuning it out. But recognize that that is an act of legitimization so that if there's a non-binary category in the marathon in Dublin, then somebody goes into your kid's classroom and starts saying, well, what is a non-binary person? Might you be non-binary? What are the signs of being non-binary? Have you ever felt like a boy? And you object to that. It's too late at that stage. But we already have yeah. the legitimization of this stuff at a national level. It's being legitimized to the point where the power of individual parents and families to opt out of it and to say, no, let them off with their mad crap. That is being constantly eroded all of the time, deliberately and culturally eroded all of the time. And it's not it's not a coincidence. It's not, I'm not saying it's some kind of global, you know, I'm not going into the realms of you know, one world government conspiracy theory stuff. But there's, a, there's an agenda by activists who are pushing this stuff to make it irresistible culturally and irresistible by force of law. It is, it is I, I made the allegory before to the, to the Reformation in England. It is like that. It is, it is a desire to remake the country in their image and to make um, adhering to the older ways of thinking borderline criminal and definitely too terrifying to do in public. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and you never will. You'll be terrified. You'll be terrified of being, you know, charged of being brought up. And people will gleefully bring charges against people like you or me. Do you know what I mean? Like, because it suits them. Like, you, like you know, you'll have to rethink what you can say on a podcast like this. You'll just like. Well, I won't. I won't. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I take your point. You're entirely correct, but I won't. I don't care. Prosecute me. Send me to jail. Whatever. If I see a bloke in a dress, I will say that's a bloke in a dress. That's just what you are. I mean, re, re, I mean, you cannot at some point, like, you know, some somebody like me, you're going to be, you're going to be the next Enoch. You're going to be hardcore. You're going to be like, you're going to be yeah, in jail. Uh, well, unlike Enoch, I'm probably hire hire a lawyer. But um, the the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, the thing is that um, it's not it's not. As if, I'm not pretending. I'm not going to be some martyr or change the course of history or anything. But like at, at a small individual level, at some point, you have to say no. no. And, and this is my Ooh, red line. Totally I'm going to agree. completely ignore the existence of this law. Path. I will say what I think. If that is not hateful, I'm not going to go out of my way to break any laws. That's absolutely clear. But nor would I. Like, just absolutely, there, there will be nothing I wouldn't, won't write or say after this law is passed. That's the one rule I'm setting for myself. If it leads to some clown putting in a complaint to the guardie, let them put in the complaint. If the state wants to throw me in jail for saying something that I've been saying for years, I'll let them do it. Um, that's just the that's just my personal position on it. Um, I hopefully it won't come to that. But does your does your does your does your gut tell you though that the guards will get so many of these things that they'll just kind of ignore half of them, or do you think they'll actually follow through? I mean, well, they've more time to investigate these things now, Sarah, because they won't be chasing as many criminals after what happened this week. Ooh, uh, that's a nice segue. Um, <laughs> we'll come to it in a second. But my gut says yeah. that my gut says that they probably uh, uh, the average country Garda in a Garda station, I think, probably thinks this is as nonsensical as we do. But they won't be involved. I think there'll be a specialist unit somewhere set up in Garda headquarters to investigate speech and hate and crack down on on you know incitement and all those. That's what they do in the UK. There's special units that investigate these things. I don't think it'll be your local Garda taking time off from you eating his ham sandwich at lunchtime to go and talk to you about your tweet. But I, I do think that I, I do think there will be a unit dedicated to investigating this stuff. Um and I think that unit will be filled with zealots. That's my fear. 
Every organization has really? them. There'll definitely be people. There'll definitely be people in the guard gagging to get into that unit. Definitely. But um, you're also talking about introducing this law in a climate where there's a huge cohort of people who think that their hurt feelings are the most important thing in the world. And so my gut feeling would be that in the beginning, at, ver at the very least, they will be inundated with complaints from people who someone said something funny to them in a coffee shop once. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and targeted and complaints. I, th I, think drown them. I think there will also be an initial slew of targeted complaints. People who finally think it's their way to get some hate figure that they don't like somebody like Justin Barrett maybe or Herman Kelly or something like that um, you're out there on the relative fringes of society I think there'll be people who who, 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 who who use the law as a weapon initially as well and there'll definitely be attempts to take test cases against people so yeah I think they'll be busy straight off the bat um, who knows you or me might be a test case either but there are there, there, there will be there'll definitely be efforts to uh, create a what's I think who was it? Was it somebody in the French Revolution coined the phrase "pour, pour encourager les autres," with the encouragement of the others, um, to uh, to try and to try and capstone uh, some people. But anyway, what did you make of the uh, the state's other prosecution this week? Which is, uh, and I, mean, I I want to preface this by saying that it's a live case before the courts. If you're wondering, can't say that much about it. But I think we can talk in general terms about the fact that Agarda is being prosecuted by the state for um, apparently dangerous driving after three burglars he was chasing in a car um, took their car onto the motorway, drove in the wrong direction down the motorway, collided with the truck and all three of them died. Garda is now being investigated by the state for potentially dangerous driving in the act of chasing that car. Uh, do you have any general thoughts on that there? I mean, my general thought is this, but I think this all too often these days, which is surely there's more to this than we think because there couldn't possibly be just simply this. Mm. But so far it looks like, like that. I mean, listen, you know, sometimes I just think about that the Ireland is just turning into, these kind of things just create an Ireland of, you know, like the Burger King slogan, have it your way. Have it your way that guards won't chase people anymore. Have it your way that we, you know, we submit a nonsense hate speech law where your granny will be go to jail because she called somebody in the local coffee shop the wrong pronoun. Have it your way. Have it your way. Like I think the guards, these guys are were burg burglar suspected burglars driving the wrong way up the road. Well, they weren't. Have well, they, were, they, were the more than, they were more than suspected. They had a, a rake of previous convictions for burglary. Uh, they were being chased okay. on sort of a suspected. Um, burglary in this in this instance i mean obviously i, I no. want to say i want to we say we want to hobble we want to hobble the guards and and scare guardy away from chasing criminals in case they get prosecuted themselves for dangerous driving have it your way see how see how yeah. that works out guys that that's it because i mean obviously I, I i take your point and it's a very good point there may well be stuff that comes out at trial that we do not yet know that's that's I, I can't yeah. I can't imagine for the life of me what that might be, but let's up let's let the state make its case. Let's see what it comes up with. But all I'd say is that uh, just speaking personally, were I a guard uh, sitting this evening in my patrol car somewhere and was told that there were suspects fleeing in a car, I would probably think twice on foot of what I have read this week um, of pursuing them too zealously um, for my yeah. own. Yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, just on foot of what's been reported, you, you would do yeah, that. This I, is the thing. It's it's the same with everything, John. It's that if you you if this case goes through and there's no new information that changes the the um 
changes the you know like okay let's pretend if there's if there's not a piece of information that changes what this looks like it changes it into something completely different that the guard acted in a completely reckless way ending up in some kind of accident if, if that doesn't happen and this goes through and this guard is put through a trial for for that well like the, the all of these things they change the culture they send messages out to guardy and other people never n- never mind criminals well these guys won't chase us anymore brilliant i mean like have it your way, guys. Change the culture, change the way Gardy behave, and then don't be on Twitter and don't be in newspaper writing articles in the newspaper in a couple of years, crying about sentencing of criminals or crying about the way things turn out because you asked for it. Have it your well, way. Well, related to that, there was a sentencing. There was a sentencing this week in Cork. You may have seen it, where two men had attacked. Uh, I think she was ninety-four um, year old woman yeah. on the way back from getting her pension. They robbed her, they took her phone, they took her bag, they dragged her by, I think, the hair along the street for a bit, or dragged her, maybe the bag yeah. attached to her, they dragged her on the street, she broke her hip, she was confined to her house for years. One of the people who committed that crime committed it while out on a suspended sentence, and they had a couple of hundred previous convictions between them. So I wonder what impact that kind of thing has on guard and morale, because what is the point? What is the point in yeah. arresting people, prosecuting them, investigating the crime, gathering the evidence? They go to court, they go in in front of Melanie Greedy or, or or Martin Nolan or a another judge, and they and and you hear that line that goes on the lower end of the scale of an offence, and I take into account the fact that this courier has young kids at home to whom he's setting apparently a great example, uh, and you know mm. we'll sus- we we'll suspend the sentence for two years. What does that do to guard morale? It's um it's it, it's what just... does it do to guard morale? He's got young kids at home. But then th- this week, the guy who has the young kids at home, who takes the kid out and leaves her on the side of the road to punish the mother, he got three years. What does yeah. that do? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 like, it's, what's the point? It's astonishing. And do you know what? This conversation, it reminds me, I, I, I overheard a conversation this week along the, the, you and I aren't doing people having these conversations. I heard, I overheard a conversation this week at a different table in a, in a, in where somewhere I was having lunch. People having this exact conversation, exactly about the case you referenced, about where that um, sperm donor, I won't call him a father, left his three-year-old daughter on the side of a road by herself. Side of her, not, not, by the way, the side of a sort of country road, side of a busy main road by herself in the cold of night to punish, in inverted commas, her mother. Three years in prison he got. They're going on a night out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Honestly. Um. He so, should have been thrown into the cell with a few of her male relatives for a good hiding, if you ask me. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's an abuser. Like, he's devoid of parental, any parental instinct. He should have got 10 years. More to that, his face should be on posters around the country telling women about yeah. this man. Should be. Yeah. That's You are talking about how the society is biased against women earlier on. I mean, that that is one thing. I mean, people have a... Yes, people have a right to a second chance and all the rest of it, but I really do think women have a right to information. And I do think that if you are um, if, you, if you are somebody convicted of a crime like that or spousal abuse or any number of a hundred other things, there really should be a, a database somewhere where people can check like, previous conviction for this stuff with your photograph. I think it should be there for, the, for public safety. Um, and if somebody wants to take a chance on you anyway, well, so be it. But I, I, I you know, Maybe that's maybe that's very illiberal of me, but I think that's something that should be considered. Well, 
I don't think anybody will be spitting their coffee out shock that you're not considering yourself to be a liberal dog. <laughs> All right. We wanted to talk um, uh, a little bit uh, about the other um, sort of odd story this week, which is the experience of Senator Eileen Flynn. Um, yeah. Senator, Senator Flynn uh, was prominent this week because she recounts that she was in a taxi. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Sarah, but she recounts that she was in a taxi, uh, which she wanted to take her to her home, which is apparently at a halting site in Dublin. She's a representative of the traveller community. She's appointed to the Shannon by the teacher to represent the traveling community. And apparently the taxi driver told her that he was not comfortable driving into the area, into the halting site that she lived in uh, and wouldn't do it unless uh, in the end, I think somebody, either he or she called the guardie and the taxi driver said, I'm not going in there if the guardie don't stay on the phone. Senator Flynn says this is evidence of anti-traveller racism and bigotry and has called for a, yet another one of our patented national conversations about uh, attitudes to travellers on foot of this incident. Um, I, I'll tell you what my opinion was in a minute, but what was yours first? Well, my dad always used to slag me and say nobody could say a bad word about a taxi driver to me because I my college job was working in a, I worked in a taxi company for five years, like doing the phones and base control and all that. So. I will admit from the outset that I have a soft spot for taxi drivers. Always have, always will. I think it's a hard job. I think um, there's a lot of abuse and I just, you know, not, it's, I don't think it's an easy job at all. Um, I think it's unfortunate that her feelings are hurt by this, but I think it's A, unfair that he's not allowed to, he's not, no one knows who he is so he's not allowed to tell any backstory or any or any experience and like I said earlier on or the, any previous experience that might have led him to have concerns but also like I said earlier on it's not a protect of a, one of the protected uh, classes of society whose you know feelings or 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 feelings of discomfort take precedent over everyone else so that doesn't matter he's just ignored like Pretending that peep that that there there are not people in Ireland who have concerns about entering a, a halting site because kids might throw stones at their cars. I don't know. I mean, there's parts of Dublin that are nothing to do with travellers that bus drivers have have refused to drive through, and mm -hmm. nobody and this it's been on the radio, and nobody has called those bus drivers racist, like they've said. Oh, these bus drivers don't want to drive through this area because they've experienced X, Y, and Z. How is this any different? Like, we don't know what happened to this taxi driver. We don't know why you say that. But I think that's worthy of asking. The reality of it is, is that if you're a taxi driver, and I know this from working in the taxi industry myself, that a broken window or somebody puking in the back or whatever it might be to your car could take you off the road for days and days and days. And nobody's reimbursing you from that loss of earnings. So taxi drivers, for the most part, are naturally you know, concerned about their cars, concerned about things. And for all we know, this taxi driver had some previous experience. Not everything is, you know, not everything is all about the victimization of everybody. What about this poor guy? Maybe he's paying massive ta uh, massive electricity bills and not making that much money and his income has gone down and he was off the road for two years in COVID and somebody puked on his car last week when he was off for two and some kids threw stones at his car in a, in a halting side before and he's a bit concerned about going in. Like, God love him. Maybe that's what's happening. I don't mm. think everything is automatically racist. Uh, yeah, and look, I'm going to risk breaking the hate, hate speech law before it even passed. I don't care. 
I mean, if this would not be the first halting site in Ireland at which stones, for example, as you mentioned, were thrown at a taxi. Wouldn't be the first halting site in Ireland in which verbal abuse was thrown at people. Wouldn't be the first halting site in Ireland in which, um, you know, all sorts of unpleasant things happened, not only to people within that community, but to people who are outsiders who happen to venture in. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Wouldn't surprise anybody. You're not allowed to say it. You're not allowed to say that because, uh, just like Peter Casey found out, he denounced from the Heights for saying it, and you'd be stereotyping, and you'd be saying that you know we're, you're using the worst examples of the traveller communities to demonise all all travellers. And of course, then you have to say things which are true. Like, of course, there are many travellers who suffer desperately because of those stereotypes. There are many travellers who yeah. who who suffer not being allowed into bars, maybe uh, or your hotels, coincidentally, giving staff a day off if there's a traveller funeral. All of those sort of things happen. But they don't happen in a vacuum. The discrimination is based not on casual bigotry, but on people's, and I'm going to use a, a word favoured by others, people's lived experience. That's, that is the reality. And I know many in the traveller community find that hard to stomach, and they, they find people saying it offensive. I don't care. I don't care if they find it offensive because it is true. Um, and if that uh, that perspective cannot be changed by more sensitivity training and more courses in, in not being bigoted, it can be changed only by people in this country having over time a different lived experience of their interactions with some members of the traveling community than they have had to date. That's the reality. And I, I, I absolutely do not... Um, begrudge anybody the decision to protect their livelihood overtaking what they have learned over the years to be the risk of going into an area like that that is that, that uh, uh, and the senator's casual accusation of racism and bigotry and all the rest of it as you say this is a man who has not been given the opportunity to answer for himself he's been given no uh, ability to to speak back somewhere in Dublin, presumably there is a man this week who's been listening to himself be talked about on the radio all week, who's listened to him be himself be denigrated. Now he hasn't been named, so he suffers no public consequence. But the private consequence of that that man must be must be struggling considerably mm. with what's with what's been said about. It. He'd be a strong man if he was, because you know I've got a thick skin and I've had things said about me on the radio, and it's not some of them stick with you. They do stick with you. And, and, and I thought her behavior, she thought this man was genuinely behaving in a way that was entirely outside the bounds of decency. Then there's a taxi regulator to whom she can complain. But to basically use her position as a senator to convict him on the floor of the Oireachtas of all sorts of modern heresies, um, I thought was an outrageous abuse of her position. Um, and yeah, I, I just yeah, and I, do, I, 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 do, I, do. I think if he's if he's not there to defend himself and he's not there to answer why or where or whatever, it's kind of like, you know, a one person show of like, without any real background. To me, it's not evidence of anything except hurt feelings on one person's part without any context, and I think that people who like I said, especially for me, taxi drivers, taxi drivers get a hard time. But like I said, it's a hard job and we just don't know the background to that story. And so without without that, I, I think it's 
just an exercise in 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 one person talking about from a you know very protected position about their lived experience without any 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 concept or anybody the person who it's about being able to defend themselves so I, I don't know and if he was about to defend himself I mean he it's one of those ones where it's set up so that he can't win. So if he does come out, yeah. if he does come out, he goes to the media and he says, "I was that taxi driver. Here are my reasons." He he can he can forget any possibility of himself getting a fair hearing. He yeah. says, "I was yeah. in a halting site one other time, and and kids threw a stone and broke the back window of my car, and I was out of work for three days. I don't want to do yeah. that experience again." He'd be accused of stereotyping all travelers, of um, you know, being being bigoted, all that. He can't win. So his best bet actually is yeah. to stay silent because in this country, only one side of of various arguments may have a voice and may be listened to. You know what side the journalists will be on. You know they'll be lining up to. He would risk there will be people if if he was identified tomorrow, there would be activists on the internet going through his social media, trying to find any off color joke he had ever made. There would be um there would be people. I'm not going to say we're not quite as bad as America yet. People will be going through his bins looking for stuff. But there will be a, a coordinated effort to destroy his character immediately if he came out and deigned to speak up for himself. So, unfortunately, staying quiet is the smartest thing he can do. Mm. Anyway. I mean, if he was your friend, you would have advised him to keep his mouth shut, to put it that oh, way. Of course. You would have done. Anyway. That, I think, brings us just about to the end of another week of ranting and raving. But honestly, I, I, I do feel like the ranting and raving is kind of justified um, because, like, my wife today, uh, without outing her, because she's a very private person, but, like, she was reading the Suntan story, and she just said, you know, are, are, we, are we living in a country where everyone's gone insane? And it does sometimes feel like that, which is why I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm going on holiday for the next two weeks. I'll still do the podcast, but giving up writing and everything for the next two weeks because um, I just, I, I, you just kind of need a break. If you were saying to somebody last night, I was having a pint with them that if you, if you, if you actually let yourself be immersed in this stuff too much, you would kind of go a bit mad. Um, so I think it's important to keep it in some sort of perspective, but at the same time, it's important yeah. to speak honestly about what's going on in the country. But then, on the other hand, you'd like to think that you know the worm is turning on this like that you know the tan thing is such a blatant overreach of nonsense that you know people will people will begin to just turn off to this kind of shite but well that's maybe me being up to overly optimistic well the only indication I have is that it is the second most read story on the Irish Times website today. Now, I don't know whether that means there's 2,000 rides, reads, rides, um, right. 3,000 <laughs> 3, reads, 4,000 <laughs> reads, but um, there are a lot of people reading it, and I don't see an awful lot of people commenting positively about it on any forum that I've seen people commenting on it. Um, the, the but are they reading it because... Like, they're sending it to their friend and going, ha-ha, look at this nonsense. I, I think so. Or are they so. reading it... I think so. Yeah. I, I, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I think an awful lot of the reading of it is, and I'm sure the Irish Times will take the clicks, but I think a lot of the reading of it is, ah, come on. Um, so. I, I mean, like, I, 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 well, there you go. We both still have some semblance of hope that, <laughs> you know, not all is lost. The, 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 
the marathon might be lost, but the soul of Ireland is still alive to us today. Well, we hope so. Anyway, we'll leave it there, folks. Thank you very much, as ever, for listening. Um, got a very big reaction to last week's show, actually, was delighted with that. Uh, and we are always glad for your ears and putting up with us, uh, even if it's just listening to us venting. So for that uh, and everything else, thanks again. That, my friends, until next week, was the week that really was.